Food isn't only a part of life. It's woven into the fabric of our culture and identity. Connect with the individuals who work tirelessly in kitchens and restaurants across the globe to bring it all together for us on The Devoured Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to The Devour Podcast. Today I'm joined by Corey Morris, executive chef at Beatrix in the Loop of the Lettuce Entertainment Group. Corey, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. No, what a pleasure, man. It's been uh, 10 years, we were saying, that uh, I've known you now. Yeah, yeah. Time flies. Time I'm glad we're reconnecting. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, getting to know you and your, through your story, man, what a, what, a cool, what a cool story you have. And just the way that you, know, you, you got involved in, honestly, what it, probably the coolest scene in the world is the Chicago food scene, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's competitive. It's... Uh, it's ever changing. It's evolving. It's uh, definitely a very rewarding thing to be a part of. For sure. And when we had met, um, you were big in the, the tapas game. I mean, yep. it was an amazing experience over at uh, Mercado La Plancha in the in the Blackstone, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, still going strong. I think. Yeah. You know, I was there for eight years. And you got a lot of really great accolades. Uh, I mean, regarded as one of the best tapas restaurants in Chicago, uh, even the Midwest. It was. I mean. Really, we were doing some boundary pushing stuff back then. It's that's all. I mean, yeah, I, I from what I remember, and it was an amazing thing. And I associated to that experience for a long time. I mean, I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but getting into where, how you got into just food in, in, in the first place, you're originally from Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, was being a chef uh, something that you aspired to be as an 18 year old kid? No, 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 not at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up like it's southern Utah, St. Yeah. George, actually. And uh, food was not a big part of our life. You know, most, both of my parents didn't know how to cook. Right? Interesting. Wow. Like, dinner to us was like, you know, <laughs> if we were lucky, you get the fried chicken from Albertsons and maybe throw a can of cream of, cream of mushroom soup over the top. And wow. like, that was cooking, right? Wow. So, you know, slowly I started to learn how to cook one or two things and, you know, make those a staple rotation. Like a pot roast was, you know, something that we'd make a lot, some pasta. Um, but, you know... 16 years old, I got my first job at McDonald's and uh, learned a lot about just organization, mise en place, just consistency and things like that, and started really cooking when I was 18. Wow. And tell me about that first job, because it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. You <laughs> know, awesome. Yeah, it was like, you know, 300 miles from my hometown. It was going to be a summer job. And so there we are. We're living on the edge of the Grand Canyon, um, and wow. we would crank out like 300 covers a night. I was working on the saute line. Just remember cooking this uh, pasta Lydia. It was this penne pasta with like a pesto cream. Just making like 30 or 40 those a night, slicing prime rib, just going really hard for that, that dinner shift. And falling in love with that whole environment of the kitchen, you know, the fast pace, the group of renegades, like everything you think about a kitchen, that's what we had, right? Just wow. good camaraderie tasty food you know yeah it was fun and um how long did you spend there um that was a summer job so i would bounce between there and park city utah uh working at the uh, deer valley ski resort um so we had a a fine dining restaurant there called the mariposa and we were doing you know like five six course dinners that were really fun a lot different than uh the grand canyon so we do that in the winter and really what i was more passionate about at the time was snowboarding and skiing so we were able to you know get to do both all winter long that's cool i mean were you doing it kind of for that reason just 
figuring things out, being a kid and mm-hmm. you traveling, know. right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you get to travel, you get to cook, you get to have fun, you know, it's like in the summer you can go hiking and backpacking and camping and in the wintertime you're really out, out there just ice climbing, snowmobiling, rock climbing, or, you know, like snowmobile, snowmobiling, all of the stuff that was yeah. really fun. So. so, so at that time, even though you'd fallen in love with it was, I mean, the idea of doing this professionally, something that you had made a decision to do? Yeah, kind of, you know, okay. it was, it was something that was helping me travel. Like yeah. you could hop on and back then I think it, you would get a job off Craigslist, right. Or, or something. And there were there was a big demand for my job, which there still is, right? And so I knew that I could travel. For your job, mean like a chef or for seasonal cooking. work? Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah, cooking. Yeah, yeah. And um, so eventually, that took me out here to or out to Michigan in this area because I found a job that was like working in the UP, right, up mm-hmm. in Mackinac Island. I'm like, this sounds like a fun next step. I can do some fly fishing and all of that. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, you could always, I could always find a job as a cook and right, I can right. always travel somewhere fun. And so those linked together, uh, worked out really fun. And I mean, and to go from that and, and the experiences you had, tell me, but well, let's, before we get into that, tell me then about getting to Chicago. Cause I think that's a, a fun story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you're young, you make a lot of, uh, quick decisions, right? So I ended up moving here because there was a girl that I was seeing at the time and, um, you know, that relationship didn't work out for few different reasons uh but once i got here um i had a a roommate uh, at the time who got me a stage at true and true is a restaurant that do you remember true oh yeah yeah michelin star right yeah Yeah. two star michelin when it closed yeah it was 20 something years old it was a lettuce entertaining restaurant and so he worked in the pastry kitchen before and he got me a stage um and you know a stage is an unpaid you know sort of interview where you go in and you kind of prove your chops to see if you can hang and really put out the same level of execution that the rest of the team is doing. So I showed up and I'm pretty sure I was like 30 minutes late. <laughs> and yeah, I was just like sweaty cause I rode my bike and it was a mountain bike all the way from like uptown to oh, downtown. Geez. And I was yeah, like, cause right in Streeterville, right? Yeah. yeah. And I was just like sweaty and late and I did not even know what to expect but i i bombed the stage pretty bad wow and uh didn't get the job um which you know circle back to you know now i've been working for let us entertain you for the last four years this is crazy yeah full circle but not only that yeah i mean who else was working there so (laughs) my now wife was working there i don't know if we met or not but it's still crazy yeah yeah she she was probably there that night but we didn't meet until like 10 years later yeah yeah so what was the experience as far as the, the learning experience from that, <laughs> that you took away? Cause, it's humbling man right yeah you know and i i'm really glad i got to experience that when i was younger too because you know you you bounce back quicker right you, you learn that okay well i took a step back and i got a job at a restaurant called tizzy maloo uh, it was a really cool mediterranean restaurant that was down in river north it Sorry, it's now GT Fish and Oyster. Hmm. Uh, but working with some guys that were a little bit more apt to mentoring and kind of, you know, teaching me if kind of like how the restaurant scene works. And, you know, in Chicago, it's you, like you know a guy, right? Once you know a guy and you're in sort of like mm-hmm. that family. Absolutely. Um, I was able to network and get into Mercat where we met. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really what Chicago is now. Going back to that experience uh, where, you know, with, with True. What did that do for you from when you had 
when we were talking earlier, you mentioned just how you thought you were a little bit better than you were. Right? Yeah, yeah. So what did that do for you going into your next opportunity? Um, yeah. Just from like a, yeah, ego, whatever standpoint. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a huge ego check, right? And and you need that. And I, I definitely needed that because, you know, I, while I didn't really touch on my whole resume, you know, my first executive chef job was 21 at 21 years old um, at Zion National Park. Oh, wow. When I was doing the resort works, it was a company called Zantera that – it was, they operated the North Rim, they operated Zion and a bunch of other parks. So I had the opportunity to take an executive chef job at 21, which was good for my career, but it was bad for my ego where, you know, like I thought I was a lot better than I was. Right. So once I found out how much I needed to learn from that experience, you know, that was, uh, that was an eye opener. And so, um, my mentor, Jose Garces, uh, told me that, you know, you take the stairs, not the elevator, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't go all the way. So I learned that. I took the steps. I learned how to make a proper an emulsification and, you know, learn how to make some good charcuterie from those guys and things like that. So, so what advice would you give to, to young chefs where maybe whether they find early success or not, but just in terms of that mindset that you need, that you found through your own experiences, but also through your mentors that makes for a good chef? Yeah, I just think that you you never stop learning, right? And even if you've been doing something one way, you got to be open up to other ways of doing things. Just the food evolves, techniques evolve, flavors evolve, people's palates evolve, right? So what we work with is never going to stop changing. So never be set on one way of doing something. Yeah. And you can learn something from every single person you come in contact with. Such an important thing, and a lot of people don't learn that yeah. or, or don't experience that. Um, when it came to tapas, right, and stepping into that, was that something that you were already comfortable with, or did you have to go through some sort of process of familiarizing yourself with the culture, the cuisine, you know, because mm-hmm. you were, when it came to authenticity, I mean, it was legit. It was, yeah. You know, we were getting some really great ingredients from Spain, right? We had a specific octopus, specific paprika, specific olive oils that we like to use. And that was a that was a really big learning experience. And I think as soon as I understood that and I took a few trips to Spain to really travel the regions and, you know, like go to Valencia where they where we get our rice from or Hane where some of the olive oil it's actually one of my favorite growing regions where they produce like 70% of the world's olive oil oh, no way. in Spain. And San Sebastian. Have you been to San Sebastian? No. Man, you should book a trip. Yeah. It's the most beautiful, like the best food city in the world. Wow. Yeah. Is that northern Spain? Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, uh, I went to Barcelona, so I don't, I'm, you know, it was a, an amazing experience. But, it's, yeah. it, it, and that, and that's it, great, too. Yeah. But they say uh, San Sebastian has more Michelin star restaurants right, per right. capita than yep. any other and they're all solid, man. Just from the simple pinchos and materitos, mm-hmm. every bite will just blow you away. Wow. So, yeah, falling in love with that food, learning the special care and for the ingredients really helped out a lot. And given that that was, I mean, like, well, let me ask, would you say that that was more of like your first real um in the spotlight type of, of mm-hmm. role. Yeah. So kind of taking that experience, how do you feel that that shaped you to be the chef you are today? You know, did it, did it come to define you in some way through that experience or was that just another experience that has, you know, it, it's 
it's um it's learning lessons like anything else yeah yeah no i think it, it helped me fall in love with that cuisine yeah which helped kind of develop my culinary style um right now i'm not cooking spanish um style right. tapas but I definitely love all of those ingredients and incorporate those whenever I can. Okay. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people in Chicago that have followed my career know me because of that. Right. Um, so I've done some other Latin-inspired restaurants, um, Baleo, Renero, even was at Nacional 27 uh, before oh, it closed. Yeah. Oh, no way. So I took that over, and right when the pandemic hit, the lease was running out. And so that restaurant had run its course, and mm. they were, we were getting ready to close it. The landlord wasn't going to um, re-sign our lease unless the mm. rent was, like, doubled or something crazy like that. Yeah. So we got out, and now that place is still empty. Yeah, well, that's so, the, the pitfalls and stuff yeah. like that. But, yeah, that was a great spot, great concept, too. Yeah. Had, we had Tall Boy Taco right there, mm-hmm. right? You had the late night. Uh, that club, like Vita 27. Yeah. Man, that place would get crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now how do you go from that, you know, when, when you go to Beatrix and kind of maintain that same level of enthusiasm that you had from the beginning, right? What do you do to, to keep that passion going? Uh, you know, it's I still heavily involved with the food prep uh, preparation side, like getting my hands in there with the product every day and working side by side with the team to really, you know, make sure that the, everything is executed on a, on a level that I've become accustomed to ever since I came to Chicago. Yeah. So I think that's important. We're talking to our purveyors all the time just to see what, what kind of products we're working with. Yeah. You know, how have you seen the, the food scene evolve uh, in Chicago? You know, when we, you know, first met that bloggers seem to be, uh, played a significant role, right, in, mm-hmm. in, in promoting a restaurant. And when people, certain bloggers would go to a restaurant, I'd hear, you know, over here, like, oh, this person's coming in or that yeah. person. But now in the influencer world, it's really become like everyone thinks that, you know, that they're like Did Anthony they, yeah. Bourdain or something, right? Like <laughs> that they're going to determine whether or not a restaurant is successful because um, mm-hmm. they post it on there. So, yeah, yeah just t- talking a little bit about that side of things and how you've seen that evolve in just some of the, uh, I guess, nuances now with social media playing such a relevant role in, in the food scene. That's just a scene now, right? Like yeah. the, the the influencers and I can't really name any of the food critics right now in Chicago. Yeah. I don't. I mean, now that Phil has retired yep. and uh, some of the some of the magazines have uh, stopped producing, it is kind of like what people are watching. I spend. Uh, uh, I won't even admit how much time I spend on social media. Right? It's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like quick, quick two seconds. You're scrolling through. Like, oh, okay, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Got to focus again. Uh, but you know, some people are putting out really good content, and, and, and it's nice what they're doing for some of the smaller businesses. Um, we'll see the longevity of it, right? You know, like some, a lot of that stuff is pay to play, you know, and, and mm. at the heart of it, you know, it's, it's the money talking, not, not the actual quality of a restaurant, right? Yeah. So I think in the end, a lot of the consumers are going to see through that where you're not looking for like the most beautiful, like, you know, hot spot per se, yeah. but you're looking for that really, really good all around experience that hopefully some of those critics can kind of get back on track. For sure. Know? For sure. And, and and when we were talking, one of the things you'd mentioned about lettuce and, and just uh, attention and the care that goes into the ingredients and just that, that 
I guess, uh, mindset, right? That you, you seem to align with. Take, take me through what attracted you to Lettuce again, right? After yeah. your, your stage experience. <laughs> <laughs> after bombing it, yeah, yeah. I can't work there. Now working there again, you know, it, it, it's all that, right? It's a, it's a, it's a privately owned company. Uh, the family's still heavily involved in it. They did, a, I, I think, a really good job during the pandemic keeping on as many people as they could. And then at the heart of the operations, it is sort of like a family, family or collaborative um, sort of mindset on how to keep the restaurant progressing. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, just there's a lot of uncompromising, like, drive to quality of product people we have a, a really intense just interview process you know oh, no way. Uh, which can set you back a little bit and to, to find the right right talent because we just opened up Beatrix the loop location uh, about six months ago and we interviewed a lot and probably only found about a 15 15 percent success rate from you know from people who interviewed to wow. came got a second interview went through the process uh, it was hard, but you know we found a really good group of people now, and you know, and it paid off really well. I say slow to slow to hire, quick to fire, right? Yeah. I mean, there's truth to that. Yeah. And uh, I don't think people consider it as much. And um, so I guess for you, where where does that leave you in terms of the 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 vision for the future, right? It's when you're part of a group like that, and when we were talking earlier, it was this kind of more higher level. Yeah. Uh, responsibilities. Yeah. Take, what, what does that look like for you? Well, for me, you know, I, I would like to step into more of a, a corporate divisional role. You know, our company has a, over 130 restaurants. The brand, the division that I'm in, Beatrix, I mean, we have, we just opened our fifth location. That's so they're successful. Yeah. I mean, it's congratulations. A, about yeah, that. yeah. Thanks. It's a really strong, you know, like thought, thought out growth strategy and they're, there will be those positions. There are some right now that you know I'll probably step into. That um, as long as I'm able to also focus on my home life, um, then that's kind of the that's kind of like the the dream, right? Yeah. So and you just had I mean congratulations, six month old at home. You got a three year old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Family's growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that really kind of as soon as my first first kid was born, Julian, uh, it really made me kind of sit back and sort of revise like what the next 5, 10, 15 years looked like yeah. where I wasn't going to be at Vita 27 till one o'clock in the morning, you For know, sure. making sure that got that shut down um, properly. Now it's, you know, making sure that the restaurant's set up, set up and successful and financially profitable and, you know, everyone's got a got that knows their task, right? Um, and my son goes to school down in Montessori Academy, Chicago. I pick him up by 4.30, able to cook him dinner, you know, relieve the nanny, hang out with the kids for three, four hours before we go to bed. And, you know, that's that's the, the, the highlight of my day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and, and how do you see with the way that Lettuce is such a big group, right, that has uh, this influence in the industry, do you see that things are evolving within hospitality, especially with restaurants and just how people get treated. I mean, I know they have a great reputation for treating their employees well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just across the board where something needs to change, right, within the industry that you hear a lot of, whether it's because of stress, whether it's because of just not caring for people in a certain way. But yeah, how do you see that kind of evolving or hopefully evolving um, and, and seeing that maybe even in Chicago as an example for other places? Yeah. Um a lot of people left the industry for those exact reasons, yeah. right? There was no quality of life. 
the pay wasn't very good. Um, it's a very demanding job. And, and if you're not passionate about it either, it can be extra demanding on it, right, on you, right? A lot of the chefs that I hire are passionate about it, so that helps out a lot. But, you know, I think from, you know, like a chef standpoint, where we used to work 12 and 15 hours, we're in my division working 10, mm-hmm. which, which helps out a lot, right? Yeah. Um, so not overworking yourself because... You know, I've seen people who do that. I used to be one of those guys. I can get just as much done in 10 hours now that I used to in 15, right? Because they're 10 very productive hours, right? Um, the company, Lettuce, does does a good job of making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and our employees. You know, there's uh, different um, employee incentive things that we can do. Uh, I got a young kid who's just been crushing it for me right i ended up i nicknamed him elmer because he's like the glue holding us together during opening wow he would jump on pantry he would jump on grill he would go work nights and i'm like you know got him a knife you know and i'm like and it's a a santoku knife because i remember my first knife that i got right and i think it was just as meaningful to him too because i'm like this is a santoku knife it's known as like the knife of three virtues it's a multi-tool kind of like you elmer you know, like you're, we used you all over the kitchen and we couldn't be where we are without you. And he's like fresh out of culinary school. And, wow. You know, we're, just, we're investing in our talent and we're recognizing, you know, people like that that want to grow within the company. You know, there's people that have been working with and the company's 51 years old. There's people that have been working there since it opened. Right. Wow. In my division, I think, I mean, there's a food runner at Streeterville that's been with the company like 27 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Right. Yep. Absolutely. They care about you. So. Absolutely. And if people want to know more about you, about Lettuce, how can they find, you know, Corey Morris brand online? How can they find uh, maybe opportunities within Lettuce? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a job, LettuceJobs.com. It's going to have the whole company directory. And we got restaurants, anything from fine dining to fast food, right? M Burger. Um, we do. Um, we're opening up the St. Regis um, property here in Chicago next year. So there's going to be some really high profile restaurants in there. Um, so that, that would be a really good, um, team to be a part of, uh, opening cause it's going to be the first St. Regis property in Chicago. Um, so there's a lot of, I mean, we got barbecue restaurants, we have anything you can think of, right? It's a huge group. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. yeah huge. And then, uh, you know, you can follow me on Instagram, really just pictures of, uh, Eleanor, JJ or me, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and some food stuff. But yeah, that's just, uh, chef Corey Morris on Instagram. Awesome, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming in and just being a part of this community and just being you, man. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Good to see you.